Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jessie Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 121 of This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking with Liv Violette about her experience with the first six months of diagnosis. She started her TikTok 12 days after her diagnosis in May 2021 to share her journey learning about it and adjusting her life around type 1 diabetes. Jesse, you are up with the win. Yes, I am. And I would like to announce I did not go low once during my rugby game. And I do know I talk about rugby a lot on here, but it's something I'm really proud of and something that's totally new and most people actually don't do, which is now very surprising to me. Anyways, it was a little bit different than a regular game because we did have rolling subs, meaning instead of being on the field and then once you get off you're off for the rest of the game we were able to be on and off the field the entire game so if somebody got tired you were able to go in and make sure they got the support that they needed or pull them out of the game when i did go off the field more than once i did find a spot to test my blood sugar at every single time and i didn't go low but i did get some solid tackles in and some good plays and very proud of myself I'm just kind of internally cringing when you're like, I got some solid tackles in. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds like it hurts. <laughs> uh, so my fail was actually this morning. Uh, I woke up with my Dexcom reading in the 60s and going down, but I felt fine. So I checked. I was actually 99. I did yoga. I gave 0.35 units before I unhooked to go shower. But then I noticed my number actually going to 127 with the arrow angled up before I got in the shower. So I gave another unit to cover the missed basal plus the rise. But then when I got out of the shower, I was in the 170s going up, like arrow straight up. I double checked on the meter and it said 191. So I gave three units after putting my pump back on. And then I had to deal with the whole waiting game to make sure it wouldn't go back up or decide to plummet. So that was how I woke up this morning. No idea why I did that. It just did. And then 42 factors affect our blood sugars, you guys. 42. <laughs> Over 42. Can't figure out why I did that. Anyway, Jesse, what is the hack? All right. My hack would be if you have a sport or an activity where you expect to go low during your practice or your game is to go ahead and eat that low snack ahead of time. Although it might increase your blood sugar more than you want it to initially, it'll also give you a cushion to kind of be like, oh, okay, my blood sugar is going down, but it's not going low. So just think about that as an idea or even taking like half of what you usually do to correct your low beforehand. So then you'll be running off of those carbs instead of off of those like extra sugars on an empty stomach. I usually do this about 15 to 20 minutes before I go into practice is I'll eat about half a fruit snacks if I think my blood sugar is going to go lower than I want it to. And then from there, I'll 
work my hardest. And then most of the time I don't go low. Some of the time I do go low. And once I went high because of that, and I don't know why, because we were doing sprints. So I don't know. Another option if you have a tandem pump is to use exercise mode. That's I think only available on the control IQ pump, but yeah, Medtronic doesn't have exercise mode, but if you're on tandem, exercise mode. We don't have an exercise mode. We do have a temp target mode though. So you'll be able to set a temporary target for X amount of hours that you need to, but that's not the same thing. You do kind of have the similar, like it's the same. It's not the same name. It's the same program though. And now here is Liv. Hi Liv. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're glad to have you on. Could you tell us basically who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life? Definitely. So my name is Olivia, but my family and a lot of my friends call me Liz. I'm 27 years old and I'm a brand new type 1-er. I'm just about five months into type 1 diabetes. I was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago, and I moved to downtown Chicago after college. And right now, I actually, just about a year ago, moved to the coast of North Carolina with my boyfriend and our dog, Bobo. And actually, a fun fact is this weekend, my boyfriend and I are celebrating our 10-year dating anniversary. And as I said, diabetes is a brand new part of my life, but as people with type 1 know, it's become a huge part of my life. And, you know, since I've had it, it's kind of given me some ups and downs, but definitely a new view into my life and a new view into exercise, food. And yeah, pretty much changed a lot of things. What was your diagnosis story? Like, did you know anything about diabetes before that? Any family history? Yeah, so I kind of have like a long version of my diabetes story. Do you want to hear like the full Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I've really only told like a shorter version before on social media. But basically last year or 2020 lockdown in the earlier months of 2020, my boyfriend and our dog and I were living in a small apartment, a one bedroom in downtown Chicago. And it was a really beautiful place to live. But once lockdown started, it was feeling like pretty tight just living there. And my boyfriend's mom had a place or has a place in North Carolina. And it was just like a beach house that she doesn't really always use. So I kind of talked to my boyfriend about moving there for a little bit during lockdown, just to kind of have some more space and some better weather because it's freezing in Chicago. And so basically, we stayed there for a few months and ended up just deciding that we were going to move to North Carolina, like finish up our lease in Chicago, and then move there permanently and just kind of see where things take us and COVID was like in full effect. So we moved back like from our just small stint in North Carolina back to Chicago, finished up our lease. And during that time, I was like saying goodbye to my friends. I was going to restaurants like every other day, getting pasta and pizza and desserts and just eating so much and eating like super carby. And then we moved to North Carolina and I was like, okay, I'm due for a doctor visit. So I went to go see a doctor around here and, you know, had just like a regular blood panel and found out that I had elevated blood sugar. And my doctor at the time was like, okay, so your blood sugar is a little high. You might be diabetic. I recommend that you do intermittent fasting and stop eating meat. 
And I was like, okay, like, I don't know anything about this. And funny thing is I actually like don't eat meat already. I've been a pescatarian for a year at that time. So I was like, this seems a little weird. So I ended up calling one of my friends who is a dietitian, and she was like, no, like if you have diabetes, you might want to consider cutting some carbs and then for your next blood test to like actually check, is this really diabetes? You will probably be able to tell like if you have diabetes or not. And so I spent the next few months kind of cutting carbs a little bit out of my diet, um, but then went to my next blood test and my levels were way more elevated. My A1C was super high. And basically my, my doctor told me that I had type one. So, you know, I'm 27 years old at this point and know nothing about diabetes. No one in my family has it. And I was pretty much just like thrown into the fire with it. We've heard that a lot, actually, that a lot of people like don't have other family members with type one, like they're the first ones. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting and so weird because you'd think that other people like in your family line would have it, but usually that's not what what we see. Yeah, it is crazy because I've definitely heard stories on social media or just from talking to people about how either like it's totally in their family or they're just like the random person who got it. And it's just kind of crazy because I never knew that that was possible. It surprises me that they told you not to eat meat because usually from like generally what I hear is like protein, like for low carb meat is what you want to hear. And good for you for being pescatarian Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I was vegan for a little over a year. But yeah, with that being said, we usually ask people like what their favorite thing about diabetes is like a low snack like a doctor's appointment, you know, something you're really proud of. And then least favorite thing about type 1 diabetes, like finger pokes and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I think like, you know, there's a lot of really good snacks that I eat. I like to have those little baby bell cheeses if it's like, that's not a low snack, but like a snack if I don't want to disrupt my blood sugar and I'm hungry, I'll usually have one of those, I love cheese. But I think one of my favorite things just about diabetes in general is that I kind of feel like I've had a better grasp on my general like body health and then also mental health. Like I'm trying to exercise a lot more and be more conscious about eating things that suit my body with diabetes and just in general. So I think that it's given me a better view into the needs of my body and how to take care of it. And I think that's pretty pretty great to have just throughout your life, especially as a young person. Did you guys kind of, do you guys kind of feel that way as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, having, for us at least having diabetes gives us better insight into our bodies. And so I've also seen for, at least from the people we talk to that diabetics in general, or at least the ones who are really taking care of themselves are healthier Mm -hmm. with diabetes than they ever were without. Yes, I completely agree. And I've seen people say that, like, I think the focus is more there when you're already taking care of your body's needs with your blood sugar. You're also thinking about, okay, well, exercise is going to play a role in this. And that's something that I can do to help myself. And before it was like exercise is just something that I need to get my butt up to do because it's technically, you know, good for me. But now it like really impacts me. So what was the least favorite thing that you're going to say? Yeah, I think 
the toughest thing with diabetes for me has been feeling isolated or like people have a hard time understanding, especially with the fact that I don't really know anyone personally or hadn't until now who had diabetes. So in the beginning, I felt like it was hard to explain my emotions around it. And it was hard for people to relate. So I feel like and that goes with a lot of other health issues. It's hard for people to understand kind of how you're feeling. And I think also that's kind of come where social media and like making friends who do understand comes in because that has gotten me through difficult times. So that sounds like you've you've made some some friends then with type one. Do you have do you know anybody now in the Carolinas that have it so that you can like see them in person? I don't have a in-person friend here yet, but this guy who owns the gym that I go to, he's in one of my TikTok videos. He actually has diabetes type one and he wears a Dexcom as well. And we don't like talk about it too much, but when we're at the gym, we definitely will be like, Hey, how's it going? How's like your Dexcom been lately? Very sweet person, but I'm still working on making like a bestie. Got it. Okay. But still having that, that one person that, you know, even if it's just an acquaintance, that's really good. Yeah, definitely agree. So you mentioned Dexcom. Uh, Besides that, how do you manage your diabetes? Yep. So I use Dexcom. And then also right now I'm using Omnipod, Omnipod Dash. Is the Dash system, is that the one that's integrated with Dexcom? So mine is not, but I've heard people having the integration, but mine does not have that yet. I'm kind of working on that with my endo right now. I hope you get that soon. I'm I'm glad that Omnipod is kind of getting back or getting caught up to Medtronic in tandem with the closed loop systems. Mm-hmm. And you both have other pumps, Medtronic and yeah. Tandem, right? And yeah. So we are, all on this on this um, call right now. We represent all three major manufacturers. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, the integration is really nice. It it really helps ease the pressure off of you a lot with that closed loop. So, um, yeah, getting back to the podcast a little bit, what diets have you found work best for managing your blood sugars? And I know this is all still like the different diets are still really new to you and stuff like that. So have you found anything that works really good for you so far? Or are you just kind of getting into that even? I think it's changing and evolving constantly and probably always will. But I still like to eat kind of how I ate prior, which I think is generally an intuitive and like as healthy as I can, but without restricting type diet. So, you know, I did love pasta and carbs and sushi and those kind of things a lot. And obviously I still do, but they tend to kind of have a negative effect on my blood sugar. So I, I try to make substitutions so I can still eat things that I really love, but maybe not in the version that I know would kind of disrupt my blood sugar. So like I'll try to have sushi with brown rice if I can, or just do sashimi. And as you know, I've been a pescatarian for two years now, but even just last night, my boyfriend and I got home kind of late and I stopped at Taco Bell on the way home and got to Crunchwraps. And then I was up until like the late hours fixing my blood sugar. So it's not like I was 
it's like an actual regimented diet. It's just kind of like I try, but then there are those days where things kind of go out of whack because I, I went off the road a little bit. You know, sometimes you just need a Taco Bell Crunchwrap. (laughs) You really, really do. That was my favorite Taco Bell thing before I started low carb was the crunch wraps. They're they're so good. Mm-hmm. They are so good. And they have a black bean one. So it's vegetarian and oh my God, it's just amazing. But yeah, it, it did its thing last night. <laughs> so you've, you have, you've had di- uh, type one for about five, six months now. What, mm-hmm. or have you, have you experienced burnout in that time? Like what does, what would burnout mean to you if, if you think you've experienced that? I think that's tough because I've definitely had difficult moments. I think like most recently going out with friends and, you know, like drinking and waking up and maybe being not my best self and not wanting to like make insulin decisions that morning or just, you know, if I'm sick, basically feeling like lazy about making insulin decisions and taking care of my blood sugar. And I don't know if it's necessarily burnout itself because in those moments I, I still have done what I've needed to do to take care of myself, but I know it's, it's very difficult and kind of like mentally draining. But I think like, prioritizing my mental health around knowing that if my blood sugar is good, I will feel mentally calm and mentally good. I think that's like more important to me than those moments where I feel like I just want to kind of not deal with it. So I don't know if it's been exactly burnout where I just kind of actually stopped, but I've definitely had difficult moments. What would you tell other newly diagnosed uh, type 1 diabetics if they're feeling like that? I think that the way that you talk to yourself in your head can really change how you feel in those moments when you're going through something difficult. So like if you are telling yourself you can't do it or, you know, you're too tired to do it, which completely I empathize with and those moments are really difficult. But I think when you do tell yourself that you can't do something, it's going to make it even harder for you to deal with it and just get it done. So kind of like, Speaking to yourself positively and with love in the way that you would talk to someone who you care about will kind of get you out of any burnout, whether it's in type one or just a regular life situation. That's good advice. I like that. Um, Thank you. So far, do you have any cherished or favorite memories about your life with type one diabetes? Yeah. Or any like special moments that kind of stand out to you? that'll probably stick with you for the next couple of years or so. Yeah. I've met a couple of people here and there just by them seeing my Dexcom or insulin pump. And I feel like when you meet someone real life, those moments are really, really special. I've had like a couple of those and I really, really cherish those, but I do have a really funny moment, like an actual story that has stuck with me so far. And my boyfriend and I like to laugh about it now, but it was like so cringe in the time when it happened. Do you want to hear it? Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, in the first few months of my diagnosis, I was having a pretty tough mental time and I was definitely kind of moping around and crying and just kind of like 
being upset. And at one point, I kind of ended up giving myself a sore throat from being so upset and crying so much, which is sad. That's not the funny part. But to fix it, I went out to like CVS and I bought sugar-free cough drops. And I don't know if you guys know anything about sugar-free cough drops, but if you look it up on Reddit, like even just sugar-free cough drop stories, you'll find some amazing content. But basically, like you're only supposed to have three or so cough drops in a day. And I was just like popping them like candy. I was just eating them to like make my sore throat feel better. And basically, if you do that, like it causes like a gas reaction in your stomach. And that night I was like on the toilet for like eight hours, almost going to the emergency room because I like, I wanted these sugar free cough drops. So I wouldn't disrupt my blood sugar, but it literally like messes up your stomach to the point where I seriously thought I was either going to die or need to go to the emergency room and like, please just get the sugar cough drops. If you ever need cough drops, like don't even go there. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. It's like the sugar free candy, the sugar free chocolates, Mm -hmm. anything with like the sugar alcohols. Uh -uh. (laughs) Did you guys know this? I did. I yeah. I have a kind of a similar story, but it's it's sugar free candy from like the mm-hmm. mall, and basically hugging the porcelain god all night. <laughs> it was not great. <laughs> yes, it was like one of those moments where you're like sitting there, like wetting, and you're like, "Why is this happening to me? Why, God?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so you are on TikTok, and we're going to link your, your handle in the show notes. But tell us about that, that journey and how that platform in particular has impacted your relationship with diabetes. Yeah, so I joined TikTok with my account basically to make friends and to meet people with type 1 and kind of just to like document my personal experience so I could look back on it. And it's completely changed my mental diabetes game. You know, I have met people who are amazing, who are my real life friends now that I text and talk to on like a daily basis. And it's helped me also kind of see how other people are living their life with type one, which is cool because you kind of learn hacks and ideas and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's given me the ability to see diabetes more positively. And that's been huge in my first few months, because in the beginning, you know, it is definitely mentally really tough. It's a really tough thing to go through. And I feel like it's given me the ability to now start seeing diabetes in a way that is a positive thing on my life, even though it's a difficult thing. I'm starting to view this as something that I really treasure because I've made some beautiful relationships. And as we talked about, gained a little bit more of a helpful view on my life. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I just use TikTok to like distract myself when I'm a little bit bored. Okay. So (laughs) it definitely brings like some happy moments. So what's Mm -hmm. your favorite part of the platform of TikTok? Like, Yeah, just like, what's your favorite part of it? I think I like talking to people in like the comments and sharing stories. 
that is the best part. I feel like the community of type one people are, and just diabetic people, I don't just want to say type one because I feel like there's actually, you know, diabetic type one, type two. And I know there's also other types of diabetes as well as people who are just like family members or loved ones of diabetics. I love speaking with them in, in comments of my videos or other videos and just kind of like engaging and rooting each other on and sharing stories. That's my favorite part is like meeting people. I had no idea the diabetes community on TikTok was that like big or impactful. That's kind of interesting. Oh my God. You have to join and just, if anything, just follow type one creators. And if it's too much to go on the for you page, just stick on the you're following page and just watch their videos. It's so like uplifting. I I would do that if I had the time. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It definitely like gives me a little boost in my stuff when I see somebody like, oh my gosh, they have type one diabetes too. Then I'll just sit there and like kind of scroll through their page and like what they're about. Mm-hmm. It, it's so it makes you feel so connected to the people around you. And even if like you don't know how to tell people you're diabetic or like what that's like, it's an awesome resource to be like, oh, if you have TikTok, you can go follow this person and they give you like an awesome view on it or if you just want people to know more it's something that they can go do and that Mm -hmm. they will see on their for you page and they'll get to learn more about it too it just makes you feel so good 100 percent. like it's such a great community i was so pleasantly surprised and also i like learned that i when i first was diagnosed i was doing like blood tests like little blood checks with my blood checker. Sorry, I can't think of the word, but I was like getting the blood from my thumb and everyone's like, oh my gosh, don't do that. You're going to basically get like nerve damage in your thumb. It's like a finger you shouldn't use, I guess. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would have just continued doing this for the rest of my life and possibly damaged my nerves. So you like learn random things that I would have never thought of. I'm just like sitting here rubbing my thumb and cringing in like mutual empathy Mm -hmm. because I would never even imagine poking my thumb, to be honest. (laughs) I know. But that's just how we were raised with, because I was diagnosed when I was two, Jesse, when she was nine or eight, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And so just the way that we were introduced to it, I think is different is must be, it must've been different from how people are now. Yeah. I think that everyone's level of like training is so crazy different. Yeah. Speaking of kind of along the poking your thumb line, what kind of things were you confused about when you were diagnosed? Yeah. I mean, I had the luxury of being confused about everything because it was kind of sprung on me and I had no one to base any or to, you know, ask any questions to, or no one to tell me how to do it, basically. So I was confused on everything. I didn't know the difference between type 1 and type 2. I didn't know, like, that insulin had to be given in certain units, and you had to manage highs and lows, and I didn't know anything. But I got on board really quickly, and I think social media and, like, reading some books helped, but... I don't even like know where to start with that question because I was confused everywhere. 
Did you <laughs> did you have any support from your doctors or like diabetes educators, nutritionists, anything like that? Yeah. So my first doctor, the one who told me to get the second blood test and told me to intermittent fast and cut out meat, he actually told me I was too old to have type one. So I should start taking metformin. And he never did any like further testing to determine if I was type one or type two. So I like let that doctor go right away. Because it did not seem like they really cared what happened. And metformin's not, which is the a pill you can take if you're type two in certain situations to help your blood sugar, you know, it's not going to do anything for someone who's type one, or at least it didn't for me. So it took me a minute to get an endocrinologist. But once I did, I did get the education. But in the first few weeks, I was kind of just out on my own, trying to figure it out with how much insulin I need to give and that kind of stuff. In the dark I am appalled that your doc, the first doctor thought you were too old for type one. Yeah. Cause that is not how that works. <laughs> Definitely not. And what do I know? I'm just like, Oh, I'm too old, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Are there things that you're still kind of confused about? Or like, do you have any questions even for like Colleen and I that we can kind of help answer for you since we've had a, like a little bit longer or anything like that? You know, I feel like these days I do have a much better handle on things. And, you know, my most recent blood tests, I've had really good sugar levels. So I feel like I've kind of gotten a lot better. I've improved a lot. So the only thing I guess with being a woman with type 1 is that due to like hormonal changes in your body, I feel like your blood sugar and insulin needs can kind of change in a way that's very confusing. And that's kind of like my most recent, I don't want to say battle, but like obstacle with type one that I'm trying to just understand about myself. Did you experience that basically with like hormonal changes in your body? Yep. Yep. 100%. Birth control messes with it. Yeah. Puberty messes with it. What's the other one? Menopause will mess with it. So I'm not looking forward to that. I ha- I know somebody who uh, she's going through or recently went through menopause and she was type one or is type one. And she had to basically relearn her ratios and pretty much everything. So that's the one I am not looking forward to. But hormones definitely mess with oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And I can imagine with like pregnancy as well, right? Yep. That's got to be yep. a big one. Yeah, so that's kind of been the thing lately, just like trying to understand the monthly changes. <laughs> the biggest thing that I could like, or some advice that I could ever give about that time would just to be so nice to yourself and just understand that your body is going through something that it can't, like you, you can't change that part, but you can definitely like, just be really nice to yourself, like mentally and take care of like, where you're at, what you're doing, and just understanding that you know, your blood sugars are going to be out of whack. They're not going to do what you expect them to do sometimes with that. And just got to roll with the punches. Yes. I'm one of those people, too, who I like thought that I thrived on controlling everything. And now I'm just like so much more comfortable with not controlling things in the last five months because 
there's just literally no way. So I totally hear you. And it's all about talking to yourself. Like you would talk to someone who you care about, you know, like give yourself a break, give yourself some love, even when it's your vulture is out of whack. (laughs) And that's good advice for anybody, not just type ones, like treating yourself like you would treat your best friend. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. We don't treat ourselves like we're our own best friends. And that would be like a, a good piece of advice for anybody who's listening is to kind of check in with yourself. And are you treating you like you would treat your best friend? If the answer is no, then ask yourself why. Yes, 100% words to live by. So I saw on your earlier TikToks, like towards the beginning of the journey that you were using the Freestyle Libre. How long Mm -hmm. did it take you to get approved for the Dexcom and the Omnipod? Yes. So I started the Libre like right away, maybe like a week or two in. And then I think it took me another couple of weeks to switch to Dexcom. And the only reason I did that was because the Le- I was on Libre 1 and I wanted to have like nightly alerts for like sleeping time just in case my blood sugars were changing. So that's why I switched. It only took a couple of weeks. It just had to go through some approvals with my insurance. And then the Omnipod, I started, I think, just under a month and a half, so like a little over a month. But I, I've heard that a lot of people go through a much more difficult experience getting it. And that's what I was kind of saying earlier, where I feel like all of our training and all of our like processes to get the things we need for our disease are like so person by person. That's definitely true. We interviewed another another guy who... He kind of gamed the system to get the Dexcom, or not the Dexcom, but the the tandem pump before six mm-hmm. months, before he had it for six months, because there was like a, a rule or something that you had to have diabetes for six months before you could have the tandem pump. And he was kind of able to skirt around that somehow. I'll have to go back and re-listen to that episode. But when I got on my first pump, they were telling people that they couldn't be on pumps unless they had diabetes for at least a year. Like they wanted you to basically prove yourself with with shots and whatever before they let you get on a pump. And nowadays, I'm just like, why would you do that to someone? I mean, mm-hmm. let them figure out how to give injections, yes, as a backup. But why mm-hmm. would you force someone to wait a year before getting on something that is so like life-saving as an insulin pump? That's just, I, I have a soapbox and clearly I am on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right there with you on that soapbox. I think that's crazy and just so unfair because some people are afraid of needles. Some people don't want the inconvenience of that. Like there's so many other reasons too of why someone would want to pump. And of course there's people who don't want them, but you should be able to choose when you have it and when you don't. Absolutely. That's one of our core messages is that like the freedom of choice to experiment to find out what works best for you. Because it's not always going to be what your insurance will pay for. Right. Oh, that's another horrible, horrible thing. Insurance. Oh, we know the struggle well. So if our listeners remember just one thing about type one diabetes, what would you want them to remember? So for anyone with type 1 diabetes or diabetes in general, I think that as difficult as it is, it's a privilege to be able to tune into your body in the way that we can. 
I think that like we've talked about earlier, it really gives you more reasoning to take care of yourself and it gives you more of an understanding about how your body works. And I think that's very beautiful. And, you know, even though there are moments that are really difficult, I try to think about that when I'm getting down or struggling. And then I think to anyone who's like a family member or friend learning and like doing your best to understand that person and their relationship with diabetes and then also just learning in general about it has been such a helpful thing for me from friends and family because then I feel like I can really talk to them like without having to explain things. Of course, you're always going to have to explain things, but I think that makes it a lot easier on the person who is the person who has diabetes. What advice do you have for the newly diagnosed diabetics? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is growing up in general and also now that I have diabetes is that strong and loving relationships are really what is going to get you through the tough times. This completely came into play when I was diagnosed with type 1 and I think I leaned on people a lot and I really, really needed my friends and my boyfriend and my family to get me through these tough times. So I think focusing energy on people who really care about you is going to really pay off when you're struggling. So I think all young diabetics to try to build relationships with people who make them feel loved. And if you ever need someone, I'm happy to talk to you on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, if you want to talk to me. And then what projects and or TikToks are you working on right now that you're really excited about? Yeah, I love TikTok. And it just like brings me joy making videos where I put on my pump or do whatever diabetes things I'm doing throughout the day, like a blood check. So that is always exciting to me. I also love using like trending sounds to make funny diabetes videos. But I actually just joined the Dexcom Warrior program. Um, so I'm kind of joining forces with Dexcom right now and working with a couple of other smaller brands in the T1D space. So those are some of the things I'm really excited about. But I just really love talking to people on TikTok in general, just like people with diabetes. It's always a good time. That's awesome. Partnering with Dexcom. I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. So where can people find you? So we know TikTok and Instagram. Do you mind sharing those handles? Yes. TikTok is live underscore violet. That's L-I-V underscore V-I-O-L-E-T-T-E. And then Instagram is Olivia underscore violet. Awesome. We will link all those are pretty much show notes. Cool. Thank you for joining us today. It's been awesome talking with you. Thank you so much. I've had a really, really fun time. All right. Our questions for you guys this week is, have you seen Liv's TikTok? If not, what are you waiting for? Oh my gosh. That, and it's totally understandable if you can't get behind TikTok. It is very distracting and I can speak from personal experience. So yeah. What I ended up doing was I just went to TikTok.com on the computer and just searched for her handle. And then I just could watch her videos instead of having to download TikTok on my phone because that would have been a time suck. In any case, that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Liv for coming on as a guest to the show. You can find her on TikTok at L-I-V underscore V-I-O-L-E-T-T-E. It's Liv Violet. 
or on Instagram at Olivia underscore Violet. And you can find quick links to both of those in the show notes, since I know those are a lot of letters strung all together plus an underscore. So you can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 121. That's the number 121. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. Are you ready to feel better with type 1 diabetes without changing how you manage it? Watch the free video on how to do just that at inspiredforward.com. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And guess what? We have an Instagram page for our podcast. The handle is at this is type one pod. That's the number one. If you do look it up, my personal Instagram is JJ underscore crystal KAT. Please feel free to send me questions or comments on either account about type one diabetes or about the show. And then if you do reach out on Instagram, please make sure you mention you're a listener of the show. We would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.